This is the audiobook podcast of Impromptu, Amplifying Our Humanity Through AI. It is narrated using voice technology from Microsoft Labs that has been trained on my voice. We are working on the frontier of things, and that is plainly audible. Some parts feel stunningly indistinguishable from my own reading to even me. Others don't sound very human at all. They feel way off in tone of voice, timing, cadence, etc. My philosophy has always been to launch early, even if you're truly embarrassed by your first product, and learn rather than wait until things are perfect. I hope you enjoy, and I look forward to your feedback. Chapter 3, Justice. In the fall of 2022, while the topics of this book and AI in general were very much top of mind for me. I visited the Legacy Museum at the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. Brian Stevenson, Equal Justice Initiative's founder and executive director, is someone I respect and admire very much. His view, which I agree, is that we should judge our moral character and nobility as a society by how we treat the poor, the disenfranchised, and the powerless. An equal effective justice system is a basic prerequisite for achieving our highest potential. We cannot hope to lift up one portion of society while leaving others behind. And as such, the basic concept of justice has been vitally important to me for a long time. For us to simply say of slavery, that was the past and now we are fine, is badly self-deceptive and destructive. And to be reminded of slavery's tangible evil through the hard, but necessary work of people like Brian and others at Equal Justice Initiative is a necessary part of combating its aftermath. Located near one of the most infamous slave auction sites in the U.S., the Legacy Museum does a spectacular job of reminding us how the lasting effects of this particular form of cruelty, torture, and economic exploitation echoes in our history. As the Legacy Museum demonstrates the 20th century emergence of over-incarceration is one of slavery's most enduring artifacts. In her truly excellent book, The New Jim Crow, Michelle Alexander reveals the horrifying fact that more black men are involved in the American carceral system today, whether physically incarcerated, on parole, or on probation, than were enslaved in 1850. This is a gross injustice that we must strive to fix. And frankly, I wouldn't be as excited about GPT-4 as I am, if I didn't think it could help do just that. Section one, a necessary conversation. A few caveats before we dive in. I wanna note that my focus in this chapter is mostly on the US, for starters. That is where I live and do much of my work, but also as mentioned above, the sad reality is that the US has one of the highest incarceration rates in the world. I also want to acknowledge that as a privileged white American man, there are many limitations to my perspective. In addition, I recognize that talking about potential positive AI use cases in the realm of criminal justice is charged, precisely because historically this is a domain where AI has been problematic, but the fact is that this is already happening. AI is here, it's already being used, and it's not going away. Now it is up to us to decide how these technologies will be used and whether we get a say in how they are applied in the 
context of criminal justice, if we don't engage in that conversation, we risk ceding the development and even the definition of what these tools can be to the institutions that have historically put structural inequalities into place is that a risk we want to take no matter how difficult the conversation. I believe it would be negligent not to discuss the ways in which AI can be used to give us more justice, not less. We will never get it perfect. There will always be some biases inherent in any human system, but we must keep striving toward better. Section two, where things can go wrong, the problems with any existing or potential deployment of AI in a criminal justice setting are well documented. Just the concept has such dystopian potential that it has inspired multitudes of sci-fi movies and books. But you don't need to look to fiction to see where AI usage in criminal justice can and has gone awry. Critics, predictive policing, for example, fear that human bias will be baked in, which has definitely already happened. This bias is then refied by the AI algorithm's seeming authority, which even more than a judge might appear to be an objective decision maker. Facial recognition algorithms have also been problematic, resulting in multiple studies showing higher false positive rates on darker skinned individuals. I could go on, but my point here is not to dwell on the downsides, whether potential or actual. Instead, I think one of the most promising things about GPT-4 and the way OpenAI designed it to be used is that it is putting AI's power into the hands of individual citizens in the hope of empowering them in grassroots, decentralized, democratic ways. So that's the lens I'd like to look through here. How can we use AI to empower individuals or communities that have traditionally been marginalized and targeted by state power, including state power enabled by AI, and develop ways to proactively use AI to deliver justice in new ways? Section three, body-worn cameras. Let's start with cameras in particular. The recent call for all police officers to use body-worn cameras. Statistics from 2018 suggest that nearly half of U.S. law enforcement agencies are already using body-worn cameras in some way, with that number closer to 80% for large police departments. As the ACLU says, body-worn cameras serve as a much-needed police oversight tool at a time of growing recognition that the United States has a real problem with police violence, but without good policies, they risk becoming just another police surveillance device and one with very real potential to invade privacy. Again, here we see real benefits to society balanced with equally real risks. How can we lean into the former while mitigating the effects of the latter? How should we be thinking about the potential benefits and risks of body-worn cameras used in policing. Potential benefits of body-worn cameras in policing include improved transparency, accountability, and trust between officers and the public, as well as a deterrent for potentially aggressive behavior. Body-worn cameras also provide a valuable source of evidence for criminal investigations. However, there are potential risks associated with body-worn cameras. These include privacy concerns, data security issues, and the potential for increased surveillance of vulnerable populations. Furthermore, the technology can be expensive and require a significant amount of staff training and resources. 
Therefore, it is important to weigh the potential benefits and risks of body-worn cameras carefully before introducing them into a policing environment. How can AI play a role in maximizing these benefits while preventing some of the risks? There are a number of ways that AI could play a role in maximizing the benefits and preventing risks associated with body-worn cameras. AI-powered video analytics could help to automatically identify and redact sensitive or personally identifiable information in footage captured by body-worn cameras. This would help to protect the privacy of individuals captured on video. AI could help to automate the process of reviewing footage and identifying key moments or events, saving time for law enforcement officers and making it easier to extract valuable evidence from the footage. AI could also help to detect instances of officer misconduct or use of force, potentially assisting in the identification and investigation of such incidents. Finally, AI could be used to analyze trends and patterns in the footage captured by body-worn cameras, helping to improve training and policies around the use of this technology. That all sounds promising, but given the potential downsides, it will still take human intention and direction to make sure these technologies are put to good use. One new company whose work I am particularly excited about is Justice Text. Led by Devshi Miritra, Justice Text makes software that helps public defenders analyze and share video evidence to ensure their clients have the same access to this evidence as the prosecution. The product automatically transcribes and tags video data making it easier for attorneys to use in court. A company is still in startup mode, but they are working with over 50 public defender offices and 60 private attorneys with plans to continue scaling up. Their belief, which I support wholeheartedly, is that their AI technology can help more defendants get the justice they deserve. Section four, legal services. After you've spent time with GPT-4, you see that it's very good at generating text in specific formats. The text can take whatever format you want, be it song lyrics or more relevant here, court briefings and motions. It shouldn't be controversial to say that the quality of legal representation people in the U.S. get depends on the size of their bank account. In that context, it's not hard to see how many of our country's less well-to-do defendants could be better served using AI and specifically large language models like GPT-4. To my mind, just as GPT-4 could become a co-pilot for every professional worker, it could also be a co-pilot for everyone navigating our criminal justice system. Imagine if every overworked, under-resourced public defender had a trusty GPT-4 assistant at their side to help manage the no doubt too many cases on their plate that month. Better yet, let's ask GPT-4 to imagine just such a scenario. Give me an imaginary scenario in which a public defender uses an AI, such as GPT-4, to navigate the legal system. What would that look like? In the near future, a public defender working in a legal system may have the option to utilize an AI such as GPT-4 to improve their productivity and accuracy. By using such an AI, the public defender would be able to quickly assess cases and determine the best course of action for their clients. 
The AI may be used to quickly search through cases in legal databases for relevant information, facts, and details. It could also be used to recommend legal strategies or tactics for the ongoing case. In some instances, its applications could even go beyond the traditional attorney-client relationship and provide advice on the best way to present a case in court or deal with complicated legal matters. Using an AI for such purposes could also work towards improving access to justice. People who are unfamiliar with the complexities of the legal system could find it easier to understand the proceedings due to the AI's intuitive design and user-friendly interface. This could be especially beneficial for those who live in remote or rural areas where legal services may be scarce. What a huge difference having access to those services could make for people traditionally underserved by the legal system, many of whom are being wrongfully convicted due to police and other official misconduct. Section 5, Prisons Education and Recidivism. In this ultra-connected day and age where technical proficiency is a key life and job skill, internet access in prison remains extremely limited. Even when prisons do allow access to the outer world, it is highly regulated, i.e. sending emails only to family members that are on a pre-approved list. In this way, prisons hope to deter negative behaviors by denying more access to people and information outside of prison. Another defining aspect of life in prison and how many people arrive there is poor literacy. Studies show that 75% of U.S. prisoners are illiterate, and two-thirds of students who cannot read proficiently by the end of the fourth grade will end up in jail or on welfare. Finally, life in prison is isolated and idle, which itself can catalyze a myriad of negative outcomes. Mental health and or behavioral issues, suicide violence, recidivism, etc. I think GPT-4 can be of huge benefit in many of these scenarios. Please list for me the ways in which GPT-4 and similar AIs could be of help with counteracting illiteracy, recidivism, and loneliness among a prison population. GPT-4 and similar AIs can be of great help in countering illiteracy, recidivism, and loneliness among a prison population in the following ways. Providing inmates with access to educational materials such as ebooks, videos, and podcasts, which could help improve their literacy levels. Introducing virtual mentors, who could help inmates develop better social skills, build meaningful relationships, and create career pathways for themselves. Connecting inmates with online communities of others who have been through similar experiences. This could reduce feelings of loneliness and isolation, as well as provide encouragement and support. And if the main concern of prison connectivity is the supervisory burden of overseeing interactions between inmates and the outside world, GPT-4 could reduce or even eliminate that need. I'm a proud supporter of Emilio, a not-for-profit company that democratizes prison communication and education technology by providing free letters and phone calls for incarcerated individuals, as well as providing the technology to bring updated high-quality education materials into prisons and jails. They believe, and I agree, that by providing incarcerated people with support networks and vital resources, we can cut recidivism and sustainably reduce prison populations. It is impossible not to be excited about how GPT-4 could be used to help an organization 
like Amelia reach more people who are currently incarcerated in a more cost-effective, impactful way. With 95% of those who are currently incarcerated slated to re-enter society, it is not only our moral obligation to think about how we can help these individuals, but will also be of massive benefit to our society at large. Section 6, White Collar Crime. While thus far I've mostly been focused on so-called blue-collar crime, I also think AI can be helpful in catching white-collar criminals. These crimes tend to be less visceral, so they get less attention in the media. But that is not at all in proportion to their massive impact on society. Whether it's corporate crime, Ponzi schemes, or price collusion, white-collar crime costs the U.S. over $300 billion each year, according to the FBI, these types of crime are harder to detect and prosecute because they often involve business or financial leaders who can disguise their activities or may seem above reproach due to their reputation. Bernie Madoff was chairman of the Nasdaq Stock Exchange in the early 90s, who would have suspected him of committing crimes of such magnitude. Well, an AI might have GPT-4. I'm curious, do you think an AI would have been able to catch Bernie Madoff sooner than people did? Yes, it's possible that an AI would have been able to catch Bernie Madoff sooner than people did. AI systems can analyze data more quickly than humans and can detect patterns that are too subtle for the human eye to recognize. In the case of Bernie Madoff, the AI could have spotted certain discrepancies in his financial records that were missed by human investigators. In addition, AI systems are not as susceptible to manipulation or distraction, so they would have been able to stay on track and focus on uncovering any suspicious activity. That last point is a key reason I believe that AI can be especially effective in combating white-collar crime, saving us as a country billions every year. Section 7, Toward a More Perfect System I believe that we can use AI to amplify our own humanity, our own compassion, our own intelligence, and create a better, more fair criminal justice system. That my goal here is to create a better system, not a perfect one. We will never get our justice system perfectly right because there are humans in the loop. We will always have some biases, some errors, some imperfections. Yet, that doesn't mean we don't try we should all care deeply about fixing this system. So riddled with injustices, let's strive to get it as close to perfect as we can, acknowledging that we must do so in a cost-effective manner that is attainable with our policy goals and realistic for our society. What I don't want is for any hint of imperfection to sidetrack us from our goal. And as I stated at the start of this chapter, I recognize my own limitations in discussing criminal justice reform. That's one of the reasons why I value talking to experts in the field, like Brian Stevenson, who has graciously agreed to be on my podcast, Possible. Brian has dedicated his life's work to this topic, and I'm looking forward to learning from and sharing his perspective on all of these issues in a deeper and more nuanced manner than is possible here.